Hello, it's Mike McDivitt, interim pastor of the New Hope Baptist Church, and it is the 26th of September. Wow, tomorrow, 27th. This month's about shot, I think, but it goes fast, doesn't it? We're going to start here in 1 Timothy, if you would, chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to talk about patterns for a godly life. Patterns for a godly life. And we're going to look in 1 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to read verse 15 and 16 and have a word of prayer, if you would. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, and it says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest be, to behave thyself in the house of God, which is in the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified and preached unto the Gentiles, and believed on in the world, received up into glory. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for this day you've given us, Lord. I pray, dear Father, that you will just help me as we go through your word and you will show us what you have for us in it today. I ask these things in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. So, right off the bat here, talking about godliness, of course, in 1 Timothy, written down by Paul. The ultimate picture, of course, here is the godliness that was shown in the life of Christ, the Son of God, the Revealer of God. And if we, it says here, if and, and we won't turn there because we don't have limited time here with John fourteen seven. If we knew Jesus, you know the Father, and to know Jesus, of course, the Son of God would be the ultimate in godliness, right? Being godly is doing things God's way. Ungodly, of course, is not doing things God's way. Sometimes we think of ungodly as you know, we think of a Hitler or something like that. But ungodly, it really, in its purest form, is not doing things God's way. We all strive not to be that way, right? We do not want to live a life not God's way. We want to live a life godly, doing things God's way. So godliness really is conforming to the laws and wishes of God, i.e. living a godly life. And that is what our goal is. And so here, in this first couple scriptures, he calls it the mystery of godliness, of course, imprinted all over the life of Jesus Christ. And we're going to return to that at the end here, but starting in a few different personalities in the Bible, talking about godliness, let's look here back in Genesis chapter 6, easy to find, right? Clear back at the beginning, Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, and we're going to read the first few verses, if you would, in the life of Noah, in the life of Noah. And it says, And it came to pass, when men begat to multiply on the face of the earth, began to multiply on the face of the earth, and the daughters were born unto them. The sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives, all those which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall always strive with man, for he also his flesh, and yet his days shall be in hundred and twenty years. And were giants on the earth in those days, and after that, and the sons of God came into the daughters of men, that they bare children unto them, and the same became mighty men, which were old men of renown. And God saw the wickedness of the men, of the man was great on the earth, 
and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, and it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them pretty dire, right? Pretty dire situation. It almost sounds like today, doesn't it? That people have turned their back on God. If they want to, they try not to believe in him, but I believe every man knows there's a God. I don't care if they say that he is or not. I don't care who they are. In their down deepest of their, of the town deep in their heart, rather, they, they know there's a God. So what does God do? So God threw his hands up in the air. Let's look in verse 8. It says, But Noah found grace, that's unmerited favor, in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and a perfect and perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. That means he was, um, that's perfect here, means upright or sincere. Noah, in these times of evilness in this time, God found an upright and sincere man, one that walked with God. And although he was not a perfect man, and we see as we read through the, the Bible, the, the different things about Noah and his life, he was a godly man. And with God's help, he walked with him. He tried to live a life God's way. His great-grandson, excuse me, his great-granddad was Enoch. And his granddad was Methuselah, in fact. And of course, Lamech was his dad. He came from a godly heritage which had taught him these things. And he followed what his, his family had taught him. God was looking for a man not only a man, but a godly man, one that did things his way. And he found this in Noah. So in this example, this uh, pattern for a godly life, here was a man that had a godly heritage that chose to walk with the Lord. Apparently was surrounded by a bunch of ungodly men, an ungodly world. You know, I hear people say today, "Hey, every I can't, I can't do it. It's just too hard. I mean, I God will cut me a break. I don't live a great life, and and they make all these excuses not to live a godly life. Now, none of us are perfect, my friend. None of us, but with God's help, we should be striving to live a godly life. With God's help, and this is what Noah did, and Noah walked with God." You say, well, I didn't have a godly family that raised me. Well, my friend, then why don't you be the first? Then you raise your children or you influence your grandchildren or you influence your neighbor's people, you know, young ones and, 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 and adults, really, in service for the Lord. How do you do that? By living a life that's godly. You're living God's way. The patterns are in the Bible, and here is one of the patterns, Noah. He walked with God. How do you walk with God? Spend time with him in prayer. Spend time with him in his word. You're walking with him. You're, in, you're, you're relying on him to influence your life, and therefore you influence others. 
Noah is a great pattern to follow of a godly life. Again, God puts all the warts in the Bible. You'll see through these gentlemen that we're going to look at today. He's going to do it. Last week, we looked at Jacob, right? A flawed man, but God can use that flawed man if he allows God to do so. God doesn't force, but God will use you if you make yourself usable. And apparently, Noah did. Genesis chapter 45, my friends. Genesis chapter 45. Read the first few verses, and we're going to talk about Joseph here in this pattern of a godly life. We covered Noah. We looked at Jesus. Now we're going to look at Joseph. Really, Joseph is a as a pattern of Jesus Christ. He shows us this in his life, and although it doesn't show any sins, we know he wasn't sinless, but this is a pattern here. And it says, Then Joseph, in chapter 45, verse 1, excuse me, Genesis, Then Joseph could not refrain himself. This is... Now, remember, this is after he had um, been sold into slavery. He had worked his way uh, in the Egyptian uh, um, landscape of things to, to be the second in command. And he's going to reveal himself to his brothers. Now, they're going to be a little afraid because they sold him into slavery, of course. But he's going to say a few things here. It says, and Joseph could not refrain himself before all, all them that stood by him. And he cried because... That caused every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brother, and he wept aloud. And the Egyptians of the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brother, And I am Joseph. Doth my father live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. Of course they would be. Second in command of what they had done. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near unto me, I pray you. And they came near and said, and said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. And therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in that which there shall neither be earring or harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and so, and save your lives by a great deliverance. Now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. Can you imagine that, my friend? A godly man that was sold into slavery that really at this time could even reap revenge on his brother. But he understood because he, like Noah, walked with God. And no matter what happened to him, hard, the hard things that happened to him, sold into slavery and thrown into prison and so forth, he continued to serve God no matter what happened to him. And at this time understood that God put him in this position to preserve not only his brother's life, but also Egypt and others that reaped the benefits of this godly man. God sought out this godly man to preserve his people. And worked through him and did a mighty work in this godly man. What a pattern of a life lived for God. Job, if you would. Job chapter 1. And of course that says it right there, right? In the book of Job. Spoken about a, a wonderful man of God. A wonderful man of God. Job 1, 6-8. We're going to read so many verses here for 6-8. through It says, now there was a day... When the sons of God came to present themselves 
before the Lord, and Satan also came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, and one that feareth God, and it's cheweth evil. And Satan answered and said unto the Lord, said, Doth God, God excuse me, doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou not made a hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath, and every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased. And the land now goes on, we're not going to, go any further than that and of course we know that the lord allows some things to happen to job but i'm gonna tell you something job right off the bat what's happening here god says or people say rather god doesn't uh, interfere in people's lives some people say that they are agnostics they you know they is there a god and things like that and there are people if there is a god they're not going to um they're not going to have a part in our lives that's baloney God, it's all, all over God's word, it's written down how much he loves us and interferes in our lives, even into the life of Jesus Christ to die for our sins. And here he's bragging on uh, Job, a very unusual thing, something you don't think would be happening, but somehow it gives us a peek into the spiritual side of things. And God is actually bragging on Job, and then Satan admits, I can't even touch him, Lord, because you put a hedge around him because of his life, his godly life for you. Isn't that something? And unless there's a reason for it, believe me, God can't, or the Satan rather, cannot touch you unless God allows. And if he does, there's a reason for it. And we are actually reaping off the life of Job to this day through God's word. The lessons learned off this very godly man. Isn't it something? Hebrews, if you would. Hebrews. Chapter 11. We went a few weeks back, a couple months, I guess, back now. We went through this book of Hebrews, but instead of going to Genesis and looking into the beginning of the life of Moses, and the life of Moses, I want to look at Hebrews chapter 11, to get a peek into this man that God loved and that has a great example of a godly life for you and I. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, it says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw that he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. Again, a godly heritage, isn't it? By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Remember, she raised him. Choose rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And esteemeth the reproach of Christ rather greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. What a man of God! I mean, before we see, we see in Noah, we saw that he that he uh, followed God and walked with God and turned his back on the world. And Joseph, 
We've seen that uh, no matter what his obstacles were, he lived a godly life and understood God's blessings and how much they affected others. And in Job, of course, we found a godly man that God even bragged on and blessed his life. And at the end, even though he allowed some things to enter it, blessed him even the more. In Moses, we find that Moses was blessed. He, he decided that God, it was better to serve God and to follow God than to enjoy all those riches that he could have in Pharaoh's daughter's house. And he picked a side. This godly man picked a side. Can you imagine? All the things that he could have had in the most powerful kingdom in the world at the time. And he picked the side. What was that side anyway? It was God's side. He turned his back on the world. And the godly action in his life was he picked God over the world. What a man of God. What an example for a godly pattern. You and I, my friend, have to pick a side. You need to pick a side. It is so easy to follow the world when we're so intimidated these days about how we need to think about things and do things. My friend, you got to pick a side. You know, somebody asked me what I was politically. I said, you know, that's what my dad says. I'm a Christian. They says, well, what do you... What are you registered? I said, well, I'll tell you what this way. I am a Christian. I vote Christian. That's what my dad always said. And it's a good thing. I vote Christian. I pray. And I uh, ask God what he wants me to do. And I am a Christian. I pick a side. And that's the side I pick. Luke chapter 1, if you would, my friend. Just a few verses here. We talk about all these men, Right? And there's some other women, but we're just going to talk about one. Luke chapter 1. We're going to read a couple of verses and skip around. Just a few verses here. 27 28 says, To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph to the in the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And we'll skip down here to verse 30. And it says, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Isn't that something? She was a godly young lady. She was a teenager, in fact. A godly teen, blessed by God, to give birth to the body and dwelled by our Savior to come and die for the world, to save us from our sins. What a young lady. Can you imagine? A godly young lady. A pattern. Although how young she was, she was living for the Lord, so much so that she's the one God chose. And back then, if you were expecting and not married fully, she was a spouse, but not yet married, people would look down on you. But she says in verse 38, after kind of having these things trouble her, verse 38, Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, 
Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Mary was willing to do whatever God said. No matter what the consequences, she was going to submit to the Lord. And the Lord used her in a very great thing. Something that the ladies of that land wished to be upon themselves, even though they might not have understood. Back in Jeremiah, that talks about a virgin. A lot of them didn't understand totally that because they would think every kid that was born, maybe that'll be the one. Maybe that'll be the one. Well, it had to be from a virgin. In other words, a miracle. And it was followed through in the young teenager named Mary. What an example in her young life for a pattern for a godly life. And she was willing to do whatever God said. And I said we'd round back to the beginning, right? We're running a little bit over here. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. In the young Jesus' life. Luke chapter 2. We're going to read only three verses. We're going to skip around here, though, just to cover the right at the beginning of Christ's life. Luke chapter 2, verse starting with 40. And the child grew and waxed strong and spirit filled with wisdom and grace of God and was upon, was upon him. Excuse me. In verse 49, it says, And Jesus said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? Who's his father? He's talking about not his stepdad Joseph, but his real dad, God himself. And we skip down here, verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Tell you what, you young people out there, little kids and teenagers, don't you think that you can't be a servant of God? You surely can. In the beginning of Christ's life, of course, he was God. Yes, right? He was God, of course. So to be godly, being the son of God, was to follow his very nature. Because he was God. To be godly is God-like, right? And being the son of God, when you looked at him, you saw God himself. Because he was a godly young man. Grew into a godly man and of course his pattern is written all over the gospels a god-filled god-lived life you want to know how to live your life at the end of it all look at all these gentlemen and this lady that we had looked at but i'm telling you if you want to know how to live a godly life a pattern for your life look through the gospels my friend matthew mark luke and john all the bible of course but looking into God's life, Jesus' life, we can see a pattern set forth for our own and lessons that are there that we can always learn from our whole life. And all these godly men and women in the Bible, God shows all their warts, none in Jesus' life, of course. But that's to show us the grace of God and the wisdom that can be learned through lives lived. These patterns and you want to be called a godly man or woman, right? A woman, in other words, a man that, that does things God's way. That's what we want. Not an ungodly, not God's way, but godly. We want to have a godly life. Godliness just exuding from our lives. Just a few thoughts for the day. 
And I hope it benefited you. It benefited me to look through these different lives. Really uh, remarkable lessons to be learned. Well, my friend, I hope that you have a great week. And I'll be praying for you all. And uh, remember to get to church tomorrow, right? And witness to some poor lost soul. Yes? Yes. All right, my friend. You have a great week and see you in church maybe, right? All right. God bless.